What the new where the balls are resting now? Billy shot a cup right ahead of him in the knee. Take over six for the five foot two. Turn right square on the door and you mean that cup won't be having any family. Hey, my dear, where are you all? Won't you know that we need you now? With the raw town, town, the old town, town. Where is Billy Bones resting now? One time, buddy. Billy went away with a piece of the horse and loved a bloody good fight, of course. Went away with a big gun command of the banks and literally Jordan did. Billy saw the arrows and he had him on the run when he had him on the range of his gun machine gun. Had the Israelis in his sights with a rat tat on him like sight. Hey, Billy, son, where are we now? Don't you know that we are now? Where are Billy Bones resting now? One night, Billy had a rare old time, laughing and singing on the Lebanon line. Came into camp, not looking too pretty, never even got to see the holy city. Now Billy's out there in the desert sun. And his mother cries when the morning comes. And his mother's crying all over this world. For the poor little barren boys and girls. Oh, so I want to, I want to find the remarks. I want to find Trump's. I don't watch his speech because when he does re prepared remarks, it's always boring. Four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and restore the allegiance of the government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we've accomplished together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. Now, how could anyone believe that? Anyone. I mean, I'm not even talking about, uh, actually, there's all these people who died from COVID. Well, uh... That's because of Democrats. Next question. Uh, well, what about the economy going bad? That's Democrats. Next question. The economy was doing great before China unleashed the virus. Next question. You lost. You lost, and the child-eating pedophiles are taking power again. How is that accomplishing anything? You let them steal it from you. According to his own claims, he let them steal it. If you take him seriously at his word, none of this holds together as, as a justification. It's astounding. I mean, he, I can see why he accepts this and thinks it makes sense, but why anyone else who is supporting his agenda would think that, it's wild. Oh, man, it's really going to be something tomorrow when they swear at Biden and he is not immediately arrested and shot in the head on live television. Although I have to say that if that does happen, boy, will my face be red. I will have been certainly owned, that's for sure. How's that? Is that better? Looks fine on my fucking screen. Assholes. Let me see what else he says here. Uh, this week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success. 
Why would you pray for success? It's filled with child-eating murderers and global psychopaths. You want to wish them success at eating children's brains? That's the problem, is that this is all, this is old, this is the way politics used to work. The, the idea that we're all on the same team, and at the end of the day you go home and it was a hard-fought match, but you respect the other team and how hard they play. Because everybody knows at the end of the day this is an intramural scrimmage and we're not dealing with existential conflicts because both parties have accepted the terms and conditions of being a political party in the heart of empire. The, the thing that Trump has done with his person, not on purpose, in creating an army of people who are now uh, existentially alienated from all these institutions that they used to think were enduring, means that all of these uh, appeals to bipartisanship are genuinely uh, idio incoherent and, and frankly insane. Uh, and I'm frustrated seeing it because that alienation is a good thing. I know it's scary because the people feeling it are the most heavily armed Americans, the most reactionary socially and mostly economically. And that it sucks that they're the ones realizing, oh, yeah, I know, this is a rigged game. But everybody needs to come to that conclusion at some fucking point. And so what I do wonder is if you have invested yourself completely in the, in the idea of Trump as a person, how do you absorb this? I get how you were able to absorb everything else that happened because he was still fighting. He was still claiming he wanted to win. And he was telling people, go fight. But like ever since the 6th, and specifically now, I just don't know how the hell you square any of this. And of course, the real true believing, like the people who are too committed spiritually, because like, QAnon is a religious movement more than it is a political movement. The people who are religiously and spiritually committed, they're going to have their own. They'll do what the Millerites did after the Great Disappointment. They'll figure something out, which means there's going to be some QAnon David Koresh in the near future, because uh, David Koresh was a was a, the Branch Davidians were offshoots of the Seventh-day Adventists who were offshoots of the Millerites. And I know that that took, you know, like 100 years, but nowadays with the, with the caffeine in the drinking water and uh, all of the internets and such, things move much faster. So we'll probably get QAnon David Koresh within uh, six months. But if you're a regular Republican who has over the past four years moved towards a psychic identification with him, this he sold you out when did it happen did he get replaced by a hologram was he lying the whole time and if he was lying the whole time what does that say about you we extend our best wishes and we also want them to have luck a very important word i think that's him some people are probably freaking out thinking that that's a coded threat i think it's him saying that if it hadn't been for the unlucky event of coronavirus i would be reelected. and of course that's true, although he also doesn't seem to absorb and never could that he did fuck it up worse than it had to be. He kind of spectacularly fucked it up. And more than even his actual per fucking it up, he performed fucking it up. Like Andrew Cuomo fucked up just as badly as Trump did at the state level. Newsom too, the big Democrat governors that are supposed to be our saviors. Awful, huge butcher's bill, complete incompetence. But they took it seriously in front of the camera. And Trump never took it seriously because he's too stupid. Like I was talking, 
genuine rustic dumbass to understand that he couldn't just insist it was gone and then have everybody agree with him. You could get your supporters to do that, but his ego wouldn't allow him to understand how few people that was relative to the population. If he had pretended to care, even, it might have been enough. And of course, another check would have done it. I'd like to begin by thanking just a few of the amazing people who made a remarkable journey possible. Like he's, see, like he's talking like he's writing in someone's yearbook at this point. Have a great summer. Remarkable journey. I thought this was a war to the death with the pedophile elite. Let me express my overwhelming gratitude for the love and support of our spectacular first lady, Melania. And let me also share my deepest appreciation to my daughter, Ivanka, my son-in-law, Jared, and the parent, Don, Eric, Tiffany, and Lara. You fill my world with light and with joy. This is a fucking, this is the Oscar acceptance speech that he has dreamed of giving and never gotten a chance to. I also would like to thank, thank Vice President Mike Pence, his wonderful wife, Karen, and the entire Pence family. The guys, the guy who you have put in jeopardy for the rest of his life. Mike Pence is going to have to hold his breath when he turns the fucking engine on his car every day for the rest of his life. Fucking Secret Service agents or not. It's amazing. All right, let me see. I also want to take a moment to thank a truly exceptional group of people. The United States Secret Service. Even though his wife, even though his daughter and uh, her, her husband wouldn't let them shit in his fucking house. Uh, also, wasn't it a Secret Service agent who domed one of his supporters uh, in the Capitol? He literally is thanking the people who killed one of his supporters who was trying to save the Republic on his behalf, like he told them to do. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. The service of president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege, and that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. Man, maybe he did write this himself. We are a truly magnificent nation. Either he wrote this himself or, like Stephen Miller or whoever it is, one of the people who's been able to figure out what he likes has figured out how to write like him. At least how to use words in a way that he will find familiar and authentic, which is small ones and a lot of intensifiers because you know vocabulary is pretty small. But that's one of the things his supporters like about him. That they don't feel condescended to. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise up a partisan rancor and forge a common destiny. What is this? This is the most complete surrender I have ever fucking seen. He has run up the, white, the fucking white flag with the fucking brown streak on it. Fuck. I mean, obviously, this is what he was always going to do, and everybody, it's funny, the only people who didn't know this is what he was going to do are the QAnon and, and, and MAGA diehards and the Biden-sucking liberal psychos. 
Those are the only ones who thought that he had some trick up his sleeve where he was going to somehow cancel democracy, even though he is a fucking toddler. All right, I'm looking for some more good stuff in here. Yeah, he left, he left, he was an outsider, he wanted there to be summits, hardworking patriots, America first. Uh, we achieved more than anybody thought possible. All right, let's hear the list. Tax cuts and reform. Well done. Once again, all for rich people. Uh, regulations, once again, job-killing regulations. That's a thing that maybe your average dumbass might think helps them, but in reality, helps their boss. Broken trade deals, withdrew from Pacific Partnership. Uh, that's all either, they either just changed the name or it's all going to go back. Uh, left the Paris Accord. They're going back into the Paris Accord immediately. Uh, replaced NAFTA with USMCA, basically the same thing. Uh, tariffs on China, a tariff war that we lost. We got our asses kicked in the chairs in the Chinese trade war. Uh, billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S. And then the virus forced us to make a bad direction. Ah! We perform. We ha- we uh, America outperformed other countries during COVID because of our incredible economy. This is a good one. America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy we built. If he didn't write this, if he didn't write this, that there is somebody in the White House who has mind melded with him. Our economy outperformed others because it's incredible and because we built it. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way. We wouldn't have had some of the best numbers we've ever had. Of course, he's talking about the stock market and what he's talking about economic build. What we built is the fucking Federal Reserve System and the empty, the endless flow of quantitatively eased cash to fucking banks. The exact same stuff that the most hardcore reactionaries in this country hate. The people who love him the most hate. That's what he's fucking falling back on. It's almost as like there is no alternative to this within the political system. And even a guy who appears to be such a sui generis maniac and a guy who is, in many senses, a complete, def- uh, completely defies all, polit- all conventional political arithmetic and is able to draw on uh, a leveraged network of support outside of the traditional political structures, nothing changes. Nothing significantly changes. You get, you get cheap money in one end uh, and neo-serfdom on the other end. That's what everybody's doing with different flavors, regardless of how much of an outsider they are. And I know, and that's why, while I was supporting Bernie and I really was invested in that campaign more than anything, I did not have a lot of hope that his presidency would be in any sense successful, as in getting things accomplished. If there was going to be any any forward progress from a Bernie campaign, it would have been in building a constituency for policies that could do the work of uh, pressuring existing systems from outside. That was the hope. And what we got instead was this. We got Trump and Q and this sort of 
this atavistic, uh, lower middle class, I guess I would say, revolt. With no political coherence to it and no political point. A pure demand for the TV to be turned on to what they want to watch. That's it. They want to make sure that the TV is on their channel. It's a fight in the living room for the clicker. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas by far. And that right there, honestly, is like the closest thing to uh, a, uh, like a, a America first policy that is outside of the consensus, which does recognize climate change is real and recognizes that there has to be a adaptation of, uh, of the, the energy market if we're going to, you know, avoid catastrophic destabilization. But you have to have read something to know that. You have to have understanding of things happening outside of your fucking air-conditioned office and what's on the 75-inch television that's blaring the Empire carpet jingle for 20 hours a day. And that's, that's why there's nothing to engage with with any of this shit. Because as I said when we were talking about like, what the actual politics of this Trumpist movement is, one of the keys is it is how are we going to unleash prosperity? Just let everybody dig for any oil there is on Earth, on American Earth anyway. Any, 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 anything that anywhere there's a natural gas pocket or a, or a thimble full of oil, you should be able to go and get, regardless of how wasteful or pointless it is. Because, hey, you could be Jed Clampett. Because if you recognize the trap that we're in, we, you recognize that we are, in fact, as a, as a, as a world, but like that specifically the, the downwardly mobile middle classes of America are trapped in a situation where there's no hope for uh, them or their children having long-term stability. E Career-wise, economically, uh, the home ownership a thing of the past, health uh, access to health care on more than like a patchwork basis, probably a thing of the past. If you recognize that, but you have also rejected any kind of socialist uh, alternative, if you have committed beyond anything to capitalism, like capitalism is the bedrock that everything else flows from, which is true of these people, then the only way to get around that is, well, everybody can be their own little J.R. Ewing with their own little fucking pump going in their front yard. And what the hell does that do for anybody? Because I know that's neolib to talk about climate change because it is like an abstract question and most of the answers to dealing with it just so happen to also benefit uh, you know, transnational uh, capital accumulations and, and people like Elon Musk. But it is a real thing that really has to be cal calculated in your political projection. And a political project that is premised on rejecting the very concept in order to, to support this um, this reemergent fantasy of the American smallholder striking it rich below the ground is madness. Income soared. Wages boomed. Yeah. Not Income did go up a little bit. Incomes went up a little bit. But it was a little bit. The American dream was restored, and millions were lifted out of poverty in a few... No, no that's, that's, none of that's true. It was a miracle. 
The stock market did get very high, but that doesn't mean anything. And I love the argument that a lot of these people make that, well, sure, the stock market is mostly held, stock is mostly held by rich people, but what about 401ks? First of all, half of those fucking things, all your, all your gains are going to be caught away by fees from the scumbags who are interpose themselves as middle managers of the thing. And also, not that many people have even those anymore. We went from pensions to 401ks to nothing in like 30 years. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories. There is no way that's true. I'm not even looking it up. And brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. And there's another problem with your, any attempt to turn uh, Trumpism into some sort of coherent populism that's an, an alternative to what we have is that if you just, uh, if you incentivize manufacturing in America, but from like a supply side perspective, the way they do, and tax breaks or whatever, what that ends up meaning will either means you have to lower American uh, wages to make them competitive with foreign countries or allow for or in, and in fact incentivize uh, uh, automation to offset them. And that has been where a lot of the decline in American manufacturing comes from. Uh, a significant percentage of it is not necessarily from outsourcing, it is from automation. That, and if, if, if the gains of that automa automation are all privatized, which none of these people have any interest in changing, then you have done nothing. Oh, there's a factory at the edge of town filled with robots that belches fucking toxic sludge into the river. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, they're paying another $10,000 a year in taxes to, to uh, what, uh, stage a fucking showing of Hamilton at an at a ice rink. When our nation was hit with a terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed. And more will so quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. I don't know if anyone said it couldn't be done. I think everyone assumed there was going to, was going to be a fucking vaccine. They called it a medical miracle. And that's what they're calling it right now. A medical miracle. No one. No one is saying that. Zero people. Another administration would have taken three, four, five, maybe even ten years to develop a vaccine. We did it in nine months. One, you didn't have anything to do with it. This was all, once again, out, it was public research outside of private fucking companies. And secondly, uh, I really don't think that that's true. I mean, ten years. Come on. Come on, buddy. Uh, he brags about uh, the COVID intervention, and uh, economic intervention. And honestly, even though it was obviously very insufficient, it was still so much more than people are used to that it did have a very significant effect. Just that $2,000 check, the first one, did drop poverty even as employment was collapsing. That's how on the edge people are in this fucking country. And that is why you saw such a bipartisan effort, that and the election, to make sure that it wasn't normalized, because we don't want to give people the idea that you can just get rid of poverty that way. And you can't, obviously, you know, by itself, but you could really get the fucking boot off a lot of people's necks that way. You can't have that. 
stood up to Big Pharma in many ways. VA choice, VA accountability, right to try, criminal justice reform. None of his supporters care about any of this shit. Justices of the Supreme Court, I mean, that's what... But, like, these justices just betrayed him. These three justices ruled against him. They did not do it. They didn't save him after the fucking Democrats stole the election from him. So what good were they? We get the borders. We gave him the ball. Wow, we gave him the wall. We did it. You see, he didn't even say anything about the wall. Oh, God. He says he achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. Did not say we built the wall. Because they didn't build a fucking wall. Four years, they got, like, what? How many new miles of, of fence were built? It was, it was, like, something like, what, I think? A couple hundred miles, something like that? 450 miles? It's a 2,000-mile border. I mean, you know you don't need a fence for all of it. Some of it would already had fencing, but... We stood up for America at the United Nations, withdrew from trade deals. We rebuilt the American military. All made in the USA. Bragging, being an American president, bragging about increasing the defense budget is so funny. Like, oh, uh, wow, that, you had to really fight a lot of uh, vested interests in Congress in order to get more money to the fucking military. Stood up against China. Recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, a thing that suffering people should really care a lot about. Principled realism. Got Mideast peace deals. It's the dawn of a new Middle East. I have to say, that, that has been funny, watching them try to wring good press out of making the backroom alliance between the GCC and Israel public. And that's why they did it. Hey, Trump wants to fucking win. We're going to, yeah, okay, we like Israel now. Historic change. Like, oh, yeah, the UAE and Israel, they were really at daggers drawn before Trump showed up. But nobody cared. That's the flip side. You don't get, nobody cares about this shit anymore, either way. He says he started no new wars. Give him credit on that one. I mean, he could have. Although killing Soleimani was a wildly irresponsible action. The fact that fucking uh, the new Secretary of State is saying that it was, a, it was like a good idea, poorly executed. Wow, we're in for some great times with Biden. going to be wonderful. Uh, we have asserted the sacred idea that in America the government answers to the people. No, you didn't. You didn't. By your own argument, by everything you have said and done, you have not reasserted that. Because you lost the election in a scam where the elites stole it from you, and then you let them take it. How is that reassert? You have had that, the sacred idea for millions of Americans has been permanently destroyed. This is actually uh, very much reminiscent of Kenny Powers' autobiography. I was a as, Amer as president, my top priority, my constant concern has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hard fights, 
the most difficult choices because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. Suck my dick, everyone. They put American people back in charge of our... You put American people back in charge of the country even though the godless child-eating pedophile is now going to take power tomorrow after having had the hammer and scorecard supercomputer uh, drop, dump rather, millions of illegal votes into the system and guarantee that you'll never see another fucking free election in this country. Wild. The key to the national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. That's always been America's crisis. We don't have one of those. All we have is money. All we have is buying shit. All we have had is free real estate and uh, consumer purchasing power. That has been the shared American experience. And that's what shared American culture is. It's a culture of convenience and consumption. That's it. And now everyone's brains are exploding and, we're the, and we, we are reaching record for the modern era levels of, of polarization in part because that uh, balm has been taken from us. He's complaining about cancel culture. All right. Our future is bright. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yeah, what a loser, man. What a loser. And I got to think that some of these people who've been fucking investing in this guy feel like losers now too although who knows who knows the ability to, to self-deceive is pretty pretty bottomless uh somebody was asking about the 1776 project thing i only scrolled some of the highlights man just the most middle school not even middle school book like middle school student shit on earth. And of course, what's really frustrating is the whole thing, it was just this childish response to the 1619 project, which is also wrong. But, and, and this is like the horror of being locked in, in this chamber of idiots in this fake, uh, this fake cultural conflict that has very high emotional stakes for everybody, but which actually doesn't penetrate any of the deeper crises and and uh, issues we have in this country. So you get the 1619 Project, which is this, this, this is advancing this new understanding of American history that uh, essentializes race as like the founding engine of America's institutions from all of it, uh, uh, both political and economic. And wouldn't you know, also means that capitalism is, uh, is only, is, it can be a tool to def root out the, the most egregious base issue, which of course in this frame is a, is a concept, racial animosity, that is uh, totally evanescent and subjective, wonderful. But it's written by real scholars and it's got footnotes and it's done 
is put up in the nice house style of the New York Times, and it gets the imperture of academia. It hits all the right buttons of, of left liberal um, historical understanding, and of course, it, it flatters all of the very uh, well-meaning, well-off white people who read things like the New York Times magazine, because it gets them to remind, it gets them to think, man. Sure it would be nice if we could get some social justice in this country. Oh well, all the other white people are too racist to let that happen. And then what do we get as a response? What is the reply to that? It is this government-funded book report where a bunch of fucking crayon eaters go, the Constitution was written to, to protect the liberty. And it's about freedom and protecting freedom. And there's America is about doing good freedom, and then there's the bad not freedom, and we fight against those. So that America is fighting the bad freedoms with the bad not freedom with the good just freedom. And that is your argument. And of course, both of them essentialize capitalism as unmovable. With sorrow more than with sorrow from the 1619 project, and with of course you know exultation from the 1776 project, but both of them committed to the same basic attitude towards our fundamental political economy, and then that's the argument we get to have, and then you get to watch that play out and pick your side essentially based on which one uh, gives off the cultural signals that you are more amenable to, not any underlying arguments because there aren't any. I mean, especially with the 1776, it's just pap. It's all circular nonsense. The Constitution balanced the need for government to do the things that we wanted to do with our needs for individual freedoms, without defining terms, without, without talking at all about on whose behalf these freedoms exist for. It's, 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 it's America is good because America is great type shit. And then you get to have this idiotic argument. And then, yeah, it's grim. It's frustrating. I gotta find, I gotta find one of the 1776. I, I remember reading a few of the quotes from it and just being blown away by how banal uh, it was. Like, how could anyone above a middle schooler read the thing and find it compelling as an argument, as opposed to just a thing to smile and read and feel good about. Which is, of course, why it exists, I understand. And people talk about how, you know, oh, it's racist and stuff. You know, like it says that the civil rights movement is bad because it goes for group rights, which makes it as racist as John C. Calhoun. Yeah, of course that's terrible. Of course that's bad. But it's all in the service of such vacuous non-argument. I don't even understand how you can get mad at it. Yeah, okay, here we go. The principles of the American founding can be learned by studying the abundant documents contained in the record. 
Read fully, read fully and carefully, they show that the American people have ever pursued freedom and justice, which are the political conditions for living well. To learn this history is to become a better person, a better citizen, and a better partner in the American experiment of self-government. Like, that's not, a, that's, not an ac- that's not an academic argument. It's not an intellectual argument. It is a slogan. It's just a bunch of slogans to get you uh, head up. And it's in response to a challenge from the, the 1619 Project. But both of them, boiled down, exist to comfort one segment of the people who read this shit, which is basically college-educated people. From the, from the exurbs and from the city center. That's what distinguishes which one of those you believe. And neither of them have anything to do with the, the truth or falseness of the statements that they're making, considering especially that most of them have no real content anyway. I've had a McRib that sucks. I get the McRib every time because they only do it every 10 years. So I'm like, maybe it's better this time. I had it for this last time. It is not. I saw the Bill Oakley uh, review, and that kind of made me want to try it because he said... It's basically the same McDonald's flavor, but for pork instead of chicken or fish, or chicken or beef. And I like the McDonald's flavor. I'm a pig. I know that it's programmed. I'm programmed to like it. And they, they got me. They got me. Like, the, the things that taste like McDonald's to me taste good, which is why I'm looking forward to the plant-based versions. Because I guarantee you, whatever, they fucking, whatever tire treads they find to replace the Big Mac burgers or the McChicken, it'll taste basically the same because it'll taste like McDonald's. So I had it. And it really does not taste like that. It's got this, and it's not really even the taste. It's, for one thing, it's the barbecue sauce, which is not the McDonald's flavor. It's something else. And secondly, the texture. It is not like pork. It is like, the only thing I keep coming back to when I taste it is like cartilage. It's like a shark fin or something. It really is like cafeteria food in a way that even regular McDonald's isn't. Uh, no thank you. No thank you. I do not think a Henry Wallace presidency would have necessarily changed the trajectory of America too much because to have him be the president, an effective president, you would have to have different conditions to, that he could then utilize as president. And by the end of this war, the American left was, was in retreat. It had been co-opted into the, into the, the Democratic Party and uh, the, the liberal state. And you could argue that they didn't really have a choice considering that there was a fucking world war with Nazis to deal with. And yeah, all those decisions were defensible in the moment. But the accumulated... the result of their accumulated uh, momentum is that by the end of the war, there really wasn't a constituency for pushing, moving far forward. And the real, the real nut-cutting came with the strike wave after World War II, because there had been a no-strike pledge throughout the labor movement uh, during the war, so that they wouldn't have to worry about um, production problems undermining the war effort. So a lot of grievances, a lot of arguments, a lot of complaints 
that were pushed off came to the fore again, and there was a huge explosion of, um, of strikes, both authorized and wildcat. And in that environment, there was the uh, the 1946 elections, and then 48, where the by by the end of which, even though Truman held on, the Republicans had taken uh, Congress, which is how they were able to pass the fucking Taft Hartley bill, which put a stake in the heart of the American labor movement, even though it took a while to work its way through to the, uh, to the killing point. And it's hard to imagine Wallace by himself changing that trajectory, especially considering the fact that he was kind of a sap. He was, he was like an Upton Sinclair type. He was a, 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 a naive uh, idealist type. The classic, uh, like, salon socialist. Uh, it's hard to imagine him standing up to the forces of capital. I mean, maybe his Soviet advisors could have helped him because, of course, the fun thing about Wallace is that by the time he ran for president in '48 on uh, the progressive ticket, he was being handled by Soviet, uh, uh, Soviet agents. There were actual communists among his... Uh, his highest levels of advisors. But even with that, even with them in the White House with him, leading them around by the nose, what do you do to, with a country where the, uh, where the energy has sort of gone away, where the urgency of the early 30s and the, and the, and the bite of the Depression has, has, has been eased a bit, and where the, the, the ritual of a patriotic war that Im included the entirety of the American uh, social order coming together to defeat Nazism, uh, it's hard to see where, absent any other change, you get the, uh, the momentum and the organization and the will to challenge uh, capital's reassertion of control. See, that's the thing. Why it wasn't easing the pain good? It is good. It's, you're, wor you're working always to try to make people's lives better, but part of the, part of the deep dilemma of being a, like moving towards leftist politics, and specifically working class and labor politics in a putative democracy, is that by making things better, yes, you demonstrate your worth and value, but you also make people comfortable. And in America specifically, that comfort was expressed by, after the war, the uh, project of turning that restive working class, the white part of it anyway, that had been so threatening there in the early 30s and that FDR had been able to ride like a tiger for a while, uh, and, making, and giving them middle-class livelihoods and lives, even if you know, they're still working for pay in an alienated life, even if they still don't have control over the, the conditions of their labor, they get to live the way that the middle class had traditionally lived. And if they're living the way that the, the middle class traditionally lived, it's only a matter of time until they start thinking the way that 
the middle class thinks. And the fact that you move them away from each other, they scatter them into these uh, suburbs, and then replace social life with a synthetic, spectacleized life in the form of mass media, that process, it, it's, it's designed in many ways to diffuse radical energy and diffuse working class mobilization and militancy. And that was the context where uh, the, the purging of the communists and, and the leftists from the CIO happened, where the second Red Scare asserted itself. There just wasn't the will to resist it amongst the working class broadly thought because it was splintered along racial and ethnic lines and was part of it was in the process of being, uh, of having a lot of their material demands ameliorated. I'm going to get another drink. Here I go. I'm back. Uh, Trulies are pretty good. Uh, someone's asking about if the original robber barons were the beautiful voters. Basically, they were. And the process of turning, like we've talked about in the book, and we'll talk about more tomorrow when we finish up uh, The Republic for Which It Stands, the process of creating like the modern liberal managerial state that the progressive movement enacted was a pr largely a process of domesticating our nouveau riche. Because guys like Carnegie they, uh, and Rockefeller, they really were, they were a new type of rich person. And they were and they were creating fortunes that were unheard of in their size, and they commanded the lives of way more people than like a, a fucking feudal lord could have dreamed of holding in their thrall. And that and they acted in pure self-interest. Uh, they competed like crazy against one another to destroy their rivals, uh, and in the process caused destabilization caused prices to drop, caused a run towards lower wages in these industries that led to labor unrest and violence. And the political class and, 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 the, and the intellectual class saw this and realized laissez-faire was insufficient. And the progressive movement and the creation of like a professional managerial class interceding between ownership and labor had to be built in order to channel there, the, the, the sort of lumpen base interests of these individuated billionaires and millionaires into a coherent uh, class interest. And creating the trusts was a big part of that because competition was one of the things that really stirred up uh, labor unrest more than anything because competition was one of the things that drove wages down. And well, 
you could have, if you had like mar a larger market share, you could afford to negotiate more with labor, at least not do things like Andrew Carnegie did with Homestead and refuse any deals and break the union and end up having a shooting war on the Allegheny River between Pinkertons and Strikers, which was very bad PR and gave energy and, and wind to the sales of a work labor movement that was truly radical and terrifying to property owners. So by the end of that process, by the end of that, that managerial process, you create the Ford estate by the end of World War II, where the ruling class has truly been professionalized, turned into stockholders, turned into chairman of boards and stuff, and that, and, and, and expected to have come through education into these understandings of what it means to be a capitalist. But that was only at the highest levels of wealth. At the local level, you had these mini Carnegie's, mini, mini, uh, Many Rockefellers bur bursting a force. And they never got the out they never got the speech. They never got the disciplinary and instructive uh, social process. There's still wild ornery wildcatters out there. And uh, like uh, one of the first forma formations of that was the Texas oil millionaires to emerge uh, around the, the middle part of the 20th century. The guys who a lot of people think got Kennedy, killed Kennedy. The Hunts and the Richardsons and such. They got people who were, uh, who were the subject of Dallas. And that's just like one version of that, but like the Waltons, others like that. It's all similar uh, expression. People are giving me the business more about moving to Oregon. Not moving to Oregon. Shut up. Uh, guys are giving me, giving me, giving me, moving my comments, giving me business. I would like to say also, just while I'm here, that everything I said about the Democrats trying to take this the capital uh, ins insurgency as, uh, as a, a new 9-11 and an attempt to recreate the war on terror domestically, it's all happening according exactly as that was said to happen. They're, everyone is, they've got the media rounds going, national, former National Security Council members, former uh, military leaders, uh, Democrats saying, we need to uh, reorient our intelligence agencies towards internal threats. And, we, and there's even now a trial balloon being launched about creating a domestic uh, spy agency because technically the CIA isn't allowed to spy domestically and the FBI is not an intelligence service. The NSA, of course, also. No. <clears throat> and the pitch will be, this is justice. This is justice. Not get, making anything better for anybody, making everything equally bad for everyone, which of course is ironic and hilarious because that is the reaction, conservative critique of socialism, right? Oh, it doesn't make everybody 
uh, conservative capitalism is about spreading wealth and socialism is about uh, spreading the poverty around, you know, making everybody equally poor. And uh, of course, that's dumb, but it does apply to the logic of liberalism. The logic of liberalism, because it has a ceiling on how much it can offer normal people anything other than subsistence and, uh, and alienation, and uh, more than anything, the knowledge that they are disposable. Uh, is is to alleviate their sense of felt differentiation and treatment from others. That's it. That you can do. I am also very much enjoying people saying that uh, because Biden and such are talking about a big stimulus that it means neoliberalism is dead or or that like the left has won the policy argument in the halls of power. Another thing that you can see coming a mile away, an attempt to uh, push off as far as possible any day of reckoning between Biden's actual policies uh, and the expectations that people might have had who voted for him. But I will say that on this is that last day of president that uh, Donald Trump was uh, was bad. He was a bad president. He was very funny, which Obama was not. Obama was a very bad president too, but was very unfunny. So in that respect alone, Trump is actually very good. You can clip that. Trump is actually very good because he was definitely funnier than Obama. And I do not... I will not accept any argument that he was a worse president than Obama. I'm sorry. If you mean worse in terms of, worse better in terms of worsening the conditions for people on this planet. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, oh, uh, embiggening America's values or whatever bullshit people like to fucking spew to ignore talking about the actual real consequences of power. Sure, you can have an argument that, that Obama was better or something. That he, you know, he didn't otherize people and he made people feel safe to live in America. And I mean, yes, I can understand why that would matter to you. Uh, but when you look at the actual numbers, the numbers on the graphs going up and down, the human misery indexes, I'm sorry, all terrible. All committed to a system that will grind us all into fucking dust. But the important thing to note about both of them, Trump and, uh, Trump and Obama, uh, Obungler, is that their actual autonomy within the system is pretty limited. Like, we can say that Obama and Trump are both awful presidents, but it really wasn't either of them who made the, made the awfulness. And when you consider how different they are as people and how their differences are so stark that they've created, like, these competing social categories that people invest with meaning... But one of the reasons they do that is because their actual ability to uh, effect change is very much non-existent. They both came through a partisan political process that selects for, if not uh, beliefs, then uh, willingnesses to go along with things as they are. And more importantly, ensures that no one in a position of being anywhere near them in any room they might sit in, 
is going to not be on the same page. Every time a bungler sat down to talk about what are we going to do about this fucking housing crisis or any other question, everybody in that room was on the same demonic team. So no matter how smart Obama was or how much he had pondered the, the fundamental uh, questions of American democracy and the, the contradictions at the heart of the American dream, he sat down, everybody is already on page, on the same page. And every question is, comes down to a range of options that have been predetermined. And then by, by, by the difference, and the same is true of Trump. Trump gets in that room, it's people with the same stuff. Maybe their maybe they're, uh, they're domestic political um, imperatives are different, and the structure is different there, but the underlying fundamentals are the same. And the difference boils down to one of them can, you know, make a public show of, of wrestling with the powers of the office and write a two 700-page self-exculpating memoirs about how they did the only thing they could possibly do. And that if there was anything wrong with what he did, it was a tragedy beyond his ability to remedy. And then Trump, who is just going to uh, presumably build a 700-foot statue of himself with uh, a running video of himself in the grimace in the, in the, in the head. That's the difference. What is, why do people talk about Vouch again? I don't like... Why do people want to hear... Why do people want to deal with, with fucking YouTube drama? Come on. Come on, people. Let's be grown-ups. He's got more hair than me, I'll give him that. He's got like a top knot, so he's got more hair than me. So I'll give him that tip of the cap. I sound like him. I haven't heard his voice. I mean, we're both government issue fucking beardo, white beardos, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. I understand that I am not a, I'm not a unique specimen in any respect. Bread tube. My God, what an embarrassing term. Especially since it refers to uh, anarchism. Well, I'm going to sign off in a second. I hope to stream tomorrow. We'll talk about the book, the end of the book. And uh, also we'll talk about the executions that will be carried out on the Capitol steps, uh, presumably. I'm, 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 from going what I've read on the Internet, that's going to happen around noon Eastern. So we'll have something to talk about, but we're still going to talk about the books. That would be very funny. And, I, and I, you know what? I will do it. If, if, the, if the plan really does happen... And Trump comes on TV and says, I'm president forever. It's me. And then he just cuts uh, uh, Biden's head off with a scimitar. I'll still talk about that fucking book. Because it's the la it's, we said we were going to. Uh, has anyone seen any of these like attempts at creating at, at doing local protests in state capitals? 
Not go not much. Not much happening there. When everyone goes home, when everyone goes home to post and to watch football after tomorrow, what are you going to do if you were a Q person, but also if you were one of the mirror Q people who thought that the revolution was at hand and that you were going to get executed for, uh, for, for being uh, non-binary or whatever? Twenty-five thousand troops in the nation's capital, and people are relieved about that. Kevin Baker wrote an article, I think, for Harper's, like, fuck, twenty years ago now. I remember reading it uh, in college. It was right after nine eleven, and it was about how the military is the only institution with any kind of bipartisan trust in this country. How it's the only organization with any kind of uh, infrastructure or capacity to respond in crisis. And I remember the last words of it were, at the end, we'll beg for the coup. And we've already got half of the voting population in this country literally begging for a coup. And that's what they were doing. Like, they weren't doing a coup when they went into the Capitol. They went in hoping that someone else would do a coup because that's all anybody, including Trump, can do because nobody has any kind of, nobody's part of anything. So everybody was just hoping a coup would happen. And now you've got the National Guard coming in and securing the exchange of power and securing the Biden uh, administration and finally ensuring that the dastard Trump is removed from office. You get closer to that other half of the voting population salivating for a coup. Which means that the next crisis that comes, the most realistic outcome will be someone coming forward, speaking the neutral, technocratic language of the military at a, regist- at, at a register that is heard neutrally by both sides, which is now impossible between the political sides. Anything a Republican says is filtered because they're, say- because they're saying it, because they've been trained to say it, they know what works, with the people they want it to work. All, their vocabulary, their presentation, everything is designed to make one group of people very uh, happy, one group of people very angry. That's true of both sides. Neither one of them will be able to come forward and say, we have a new, uh, we have a new government that would be ret- with anything less than instant resistance from the people who hear those dog whistles, because it's dog whistles each way, they'll hear those dog whistles negatively. Only the military can speak with words and, in, and with symbols that both sides read as neutral. Both sides read as not part of the enemy. Both sides uh, read, maybe, read as, as sincere, read as a friend in the friend-enemy-Schmidian distinction. So Thailand. Does anybody remember the Thai coup from a few years ago? When there was when the, when the president got or the prime minister got removed from office, and his supporters flooded the capital, and they got into a big uh, public battles with the uh, opponents, because the the prime minister was incredibly popular among the rural population, uh, but hated in the cities, uh, and could and that bridge that could not be bridged, 
And then when the urban uh, parties were able to kick him out of office, it sparked this massive resistance, which was only resolved when the army came out of the barracks, when the tanks came down the streets, and everybody went home. Because the military is neutral. All right, folks. So we'll see. If, uh, if I haven't been neutralized by a Q wet team, I will hope to stream sometime tomorrow after the inaugural. Uh, I would say that uh, I'm looking forward to Trump's or Biden's speech, but we know that they got some special adrenochrome for him when he has the big moments, and it'll be boring and it will be mostly confident. But hey, who knows? Teeth could still fall, fall out of his head. Eyeball could blow up. Anything could happen. All right. We'll see. Bye-bye.